What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. It's taught, taught, you know, taught me a lot about determination. And I've been a goal-oriented guy uh, since I was little. I've always written my goals down on what I wanted to accomplish and how I was going to go about it. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Oh, That's a powerful you. question. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Well, here we go. Welcome back again to the Chris Van Fleet Show. Or if it's your first time here, welcome, my friends. This is a fascinating conversation today, an insightful conversation with the NFL legend himself, Donovan McNabb. Take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening to this one. Tag us on social media so we can say hi and share this. I'm at Chris Van Fleet on Twitter, and Donovan is at Donovan J. McNabb. And if it is your first time here, Make sure to click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss out on any other conversations like this one. And speaking of Apple Podcasts, a huge thank you, a huge shout out to everyone who's taken a minute out of their day to leave a review on there. And we're going to keep reading one out on every single episode until we get to that specific goal of 2,000 reviews before May 19th. My birthday is May 19th. It's, just, it's not like just a made-up day. So 2,000 reviews by May 19th. Because I always say vague goals get vague results. So specific goals get very specific results. And this is a a very specific goal. So the goal is 2,000. We're closing in on 1,300 right now. So I I mean, we got this. We got this. Patty Pasqua titles this review, Chef's Kiss. Wow. I love watching this podcast on YouTube and listening to it on my phone on the podcast app. Well, thank you, Patty. And I always, I I love when people like, both watch the interviews on YouTube and also listen to them here on the podcast. I wonder how many people do that, but appreciate that, Patty. Thank you for taking a minute out of your day to leave that review. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Bet Online, Indeed, and Bosley. And guys, if you're suffering with hair loss, I have the answer for you. Go to Bosley. For everyone listening to this podcast right now, Bosley's going to give you a free info kit and a $250 off gift card when you text my name, CVV, to 203-203. Bosley offers the latest technology and the only permanent solution to hair loss. People all over the country trust Bosley, and Bosley is considered America's number one hair restoration practice. Bosley offers both surgical and non-surgical solutions, and the sooner you take action, guys, the more options you're going to have to keep your hair or put your hair where you need it most. 
Two out of three men will experience some degree of hair loss by the age of 35. But with today's technology, you don't have to live with hair loss. So get started today with a free info kit and $250 off gift card by texting CVV to 203203. That's CVV to 203203. So my guest today is Donovan McNabb, who played 13 years in the NFL and was the first NFL quarterback ever to throw for more than 30 touchdowns and fewer than 10 interceptions in a season. He's, of course, best known for his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, where he was a six-time pro bowler, but he also played for the Redskins and the Vikings. We talk a lot about how he made the transition to life after football, and he was already thinking about this decision just a few years into his career. He's 43 now. We talk about the other quarterbacks who are in their 40s and they're playing, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. He also gets into the life lessons that football taught him. And these are really lessons that we can all apply to our own lives, whether we're athletes or not. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Donovan McNabb. There we go. The legendary Donovan McNabb in the house. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, I know football was so much a part of your life growing up, playing in the NFL. I'm curious to know, how much is football part of your life right now? Well, I've become a, uh, a fan spectator. Uh, I'm an analyst. Um, and then obviously being a dad, uh, my dad, my son plays uh, flag football and I've coached flag football over the last couple of years. I'm currently coaching uh, my daughter's flag football team. So uh, football has been a part of my life for years and it just can't can't seem to uh, ease its way out of my life. But it, that's the fun part about it because uh, no matter at all sports, I'm coaching football, coaching basketball, uh, training quarterbacks. So it, whatever that I've learned over uh, my, my 30 years or so uh, of playing this game, I try to pass it on to others. You look like you could still get out on the field and, and, and take some snaps. How do you feel? Well, I feel great. Uh, I work out every morning. Um, I, I try to pay attention to my, uh, my nutrition as well as my conditioning um, because it's very important, especially during this, these times of the pandemic. You have to make sure that um, you know, you're staying in decent health. Uh, I try to monitor what it is that I eat to uh, continue to, to live, hopefully, um, a normal life, so to speak. And then you got to take into account I have four kids, so I want to make sure that I'm there for them as they're growing up uh, and to continue to push them uh, through through sports, through school, uh, challenging them to to be greater than than I was. What did the what are the first like 30 minutes of every day look like for you? What are your morning routines? Um, well, I'm usually up by six o'clock in the morning and, and uh, you know, uh, that that seems to be like an alarm clock in my head. Uh, because I'm I'm used to my kids leaving to go to school about seven fifteen seven thirty, uh, so I want to make sure that they're up and ready and and have taken care of everything they need to do in order to get going. And and by then I'll, I'll shower, get myself prepared, uh, head down to uh, a gym that I have downstairs uh, my house. Now that the gyms are pretty much kind of up in the air with wearing masks and things of that nature, so uh, get my workout on in the morning. After that, shower, eat breakfast. Uh, and then head to uh, training clients um, throughout the day. Uh, then at the in the evening, pretty much it's it's all kids and and my kids in their sports. Uh, so 
it's very busy for me, but that's, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I think one of the biggest things when you talk about training clients is sure, you know, it's great to train them physically, but I think what made you so great was between the ears. What made you so great was your mental toughness. How were you able to instill that in your clients? Easily. Um, you know, you stay on them and, and, and it's easy for uh, a lot of my clients to get down on themselves and start to question and second guess themselves uh, due to a bad pass, due to bad footwork, due to a bad read. Uh, but the thing that I try to instill in them is to, to have short term memory, continue to have confidence in yourself and understand that the next next throw or next read will be one of the best. Uh, and then you feed off of that. I think too many times in life um, we're quick to uh, kind of shut things down when things don't go our way uh, instead of taking on the challenge uh, and being able to understand what it is that happened, uh, understand what I can do in order to change it and then make changes. And while you're making changes, you're gaining comp- back, get back confidence in yourself to be able to get the job done. What do you think is the biggest thing that football taught you about like real life? Well, it's taught me about work ethic. It's taught taught, taught me about passion. It's taught talked you know taught me a lot about determination. And I've been a goal goal oriented guy uh, since I was little. I've always written my goals down on what I wanted to accomplish and how I was going to go about it. Now we all know sometimes you get off course a little bit, uh, but when you look up and at your at your goals that are written down, it reminds you uh, of the path that you need to take. And so uh, I've been one you know, since I was little, even to this day, I have goals that I want to be able to accomplish. And while achieving those goals, learning more and more about yourself. Uh, And so that's something that I pass on to everyone, not just athletes, but just people in general, because, you know, if you just live your day, your your life, just one day at a time, you miss out on so many opportunities. Uh, And so that's the path that I tried to go. uh, And while doing that, continue to express it to others to possibly help them out as well. Yeah, I always say vague goals get vague results. But right. on the flip side of that, specific goals get specific results. And what do you think it is about writing down those goals that helps to like, I don't know, maybe kick your body into gear and go, hey, we need to accomplish these things? Well, it holds you accountable. It holds you accountable because, you know, when you look up at those goals and you have a tendency to uh, fade away and something else pops up, but now that you uh, recognize those particular goals, that's what reminds you, okay, yes, that's, that is right. I need to get back on course uh, and be able to uh, move forward and accomplish one of those goals. And if we, once you start to get into a rhythm and a pattern uh, where you're knocking down those goals and you feel like you've accomplished all that you've written down, now you rewrite goals. You rewrite more goals. Uh, and while you're trying to achieve those new goals, you make sure you stay on course of those that you've accomplished already. Uh, and continue to make those as part of your stress to add to what you're trying to do now. I love it. I love it. You know, your number five jersey meant so much to the city of Philadelphia, but I'm I'm curious, when you put that on, what did that number five mean to you? Well, I mean, to be honest, you know, it was, it was a number. Um, you know, when I put my helmet on, that's when I knew uh, that I had to morph into to the guy that, that I always wanted to be, um, you know, when you put numbers on, you put jerseys on, um, early on as a kid, uh, you know, you felt like you were the guy that you were wearing their number. Uh, and as I got older and I started to realize that, uh, for me, it was just, it was kind of a definition of who I was. Uh, it was a, a number that people recognized me as, 
and then that's what kind of, you know, people call me as, you know, they call me as five um, until this day. You know, we're not, um, no matter where I am, if I'm in a grocery store or if I'm uh, at a concert or if I'm at a football game, uh, if somebody called me five, uh, I, not quick, I know at least they know who I am or, or uh, you know, we've kind of had some type of uh, affiliation with each other. But uh, it's a number that I, I've passed down to my kids. So my, all my kids were at number five. Um, and that's something that as a father, uh, you get very excited about to see your kids out there repping uh, the number and making it their own. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you saw someone in the stands wearing your number five? Uh, yeah, it was, it was back in college. And, um, you know, when, when you're at that age, you know, you kind of going through the motions a little bit and, you know, you, you're kind of grinding with your team and you get out there and play against some tough, tough opponents and, and you have some success. And then you look, look up and see a little kid wearing your jersey or you see an adult wearing your jersey. Uh, that's when it all started for me that, you know, maybe some of the things that I am doing uh, is starting to get some recognition. So I need to put my foot on the gas a little bit and continue to uh, be consistent with it. You know, when you talk about writing down those goals early right. on, was one of those goals, I am going to get drafted, I'm going to play in the NFL? No, not necessarily. Uh, early on, um, I wanted to be an NBA player. Uh, <laughs> so one of those goals was to uh, continue to, to, to work hard, uh, go out and get shots up. You know, we had a goal in our backyard. Um, continue to work on different moves that you see Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas and those guys doing. Um, and just make sure as I got in high school, make sure I'm in, in great shape, uh, focus on my flexibility um, and, and just go out and give my best every time. Uh, and so as I got older, obviously those goals changed. Uh, and, and to really be honest with you, my, my goals as far as the NFL was concerned, uh, really didn't happen until pretty much my my sophomore year uh, or junior year of college. And, you know, it was, it was still to the point where NBA was still on my goal list because wow. I, ba- I played basketball at Syracuse. So um, I thought I was going to have a breakthrough um, there at Syracuse, which didn't happen. But uh, it was still a lot of fun. And uh, I took on the challenge of, of competing in both sports. And, it, you know, one of the always remember. Oh, I mean, so you obviously had the breakthrough in football. Where, where did that breakthrough happen? What, what did that breakthrough look like where you went, maybe this is my sport? Well, to be honest, I mean, after my first two years of starting, there was conversation of, of me possibly um, coming out early into the draft and, and could possibly be uh, the third or fourth quarterback taken at that time. And Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning were the, the top two, and Dante and I were uh, the ones that were kind of getting shuffled around if we were three or four. Uh, so I, we took on a challenge and, and um, I remember talking to uh, my family members and, and talking to friends of, of could this possibly be? And, you know, I just wanted to go out and have a great year. Uh, we made it to the Fiesta Bowl at that particular time. Um, you know, so the challenge for me was uh, could this happen? So I put everything, you know, involved to just increase my work ethic and determination and preparation uh, and decided to come back another season. And that challenge was something that I took on head on uh, and looked forward to the opportunity. But then the, the year that you, you know, did make yourself eligible for the draft, like that draft was stacked with quarterbacks. It was, it was. Um, and we all were, were somewhat different as well. So uh, that would kind of separated us a little bit at that particular time. And, um, you know, being on the East Coast, you didn't really have a chance to see a lot of teams play in the SEC. 
at that particular time. It wasn't it wasn't on TV every single weekend. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to watch uh, Tim Couch play consistently like that. I didn't get a chance to see any, a lot of Pac-12 games, so I didn't get a chance to see Cade McDowell. Uh, also, Central Florida, Dante Culpepper, um, you know, played against Sean King uh, at Tulane. So uh, the challenge of knowing who your competitors are weren't as what they are now. Uh, but, you know, again, it's not, you know, it, it, I made it so it wasn't just us competing against each other. Uh, it was for me to showcase my talents uh, to scouts uh, to give them an opportunity to evaluate me the right way and, you know, give me an opportunity to play. Did you have any indication or maybe hope that you might go number one overall, that you might have ended up in Cleveland? Uh, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk of it, and, and there was a possibility of, of uh, me being drafted. And it, that went on pretty much until uh, about three, four days before the draft. Uh, I know that there was convers- you know, conversation about Akili and Tim Couch competing against each other, but I was kind of that dark horse. I was the dark horse that, um, you know, up until about three, four days, um, I had a great chance of being number one, but it worked out well. Um, I don't don't look back on it and, and kind of give you the if, ands, or buts. Uh, I enjoyed my career in Philadelphia, and, um, you know, it, it, it was what it was. It, I mean, it worked out really well for you. It didn't work out so well for Cleveland. And I say this because I spent, I spent many years in Cleveland, became a Browns fan, and mm-hmm. I look at, uh, you know, how, look how different it could have been if you were a Cleveland Brown that year. Well, it could have been different. Um, but it also may have been may have been better. I don't know. You know, we, we just never know. Um, and, and you know, my teammate was drafted second round uh, to the Cleveland Browns uh, and Kevin Johnson, which we were going to take him as well. But uh, we were three picks behind, I believe. But you know, I, I just think for me, I mean, you know, having an opportunity to play in Philadelphia under Andy Reid, uh, the success that we've had over over a decade uh, with the players that I played with. It's it's one I think that everyone would enjoy. When you look back at that time, would you say the draft was one of those nights that completely changed your life? Uh, I agree. Uh, yes, I agree. I look back on it, and, and it changed my life definitely. And you know, sometimes you go through uh, changes in life which could propel your career to be something special, or if you don't hit it head on and understand the situation it could be just another hurdle. And I took it on as a big challenge. Uh, I understood the opportunity uh, and I took full advantage of it. And for me, um, that's one of the life lessons that I teach. Uh, A lot of the kids that I coach or come in contact with, or even my kids, of just you never know when that opportunity is gonna present themselves. Uh, So you have to be ready and willing uh, to take it on and also to uh, continue to ride with it as as it's it's in your path and and so um i look on it look at it as a 21 year old kid uh being drafted second round second overall uh a dream come true but now the works had to start then Um, things had to change and then you really had to change things around for the better i think it's safe to say a lot of things have changed in 2020 including how we work Businesses across the globe now are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. 
Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There's no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job. This makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit today at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer that you will find anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football is back in full swing, baby. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. You can do this all day, every day. So head to Bet Online and take advantage of their great sign up bonuses. Just make sure you use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word at betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The thing that I find so interesting about any professional athlete is you did so much before you got drafted. You've obviously done so much since you played in the NFL, but so much of your life will be defined by those 13 years that you played. Right. What do you say to the kids that you're coaching or your own kids about the fact that this sliver of your life may define your entire life? Well, uh, the message that you said, again, it goes back to you just never know what it may be. It could be someone coming to your life that's new, uh, that tells you a little bit about yourself. It could be an opportunity that's granted to you. If it's uh, a scholarship that you receive or, or you know, you get rewarded by whatever, if, if it is, if it's from material things. Uh, but it's just you have to be ready for any and everything. If you prepare yourself for great things in life and things present themselves, now that you've uh, kind of rewarded yourself with an opportunity to do great things, you have to continue to ride down that path that you set in order for you to accomplish that. Now that you've accomplished it, how will you be able to make it better, not only for you, but the people around you? I think it was always so interesting watching your, uh, your post-game press conferences, because no matter what kind of activity you had in the game, no matter what kind of performance you had, you always had a smile on your face. Right. How, how difficult was it to put a smile on your face with some of the questions that you were being asked? Well, I mean, you know, I, for me, I've always found humor in everything and, you know, good or bad. Um, but also we're human. And, and so, you know, there are some things that frustrate you. There are some things that, that uh, you know, you kind of look back on and, and, and you say, well, man, I could have done this or, you know, hey, you know, I apologize for whatever. But you know, I think whenever you present yourself in front of people, you have to present yourself, obviously, that you hold yourself accountable. But then uh, you have to show that there's no pain. 
you know, whatever it is that you have inside you, if there is pain, you don't show. It. And, and so if it's a smile, if it's a joke here or there, um, you know, whatever it may be, that kind of takes people's mind off of how they think you truly feel. And you answer the question and get ready for the next. Did you ever have the media go, you know, you're smiling, you're making jokes. You're not taking this thing seriously. Oh, I got that all the time. I got that all the time when people said <laughs> I didn't take it seriously. But again, uh, if you're enjoying life uh, and you're enjoying your everyday grind and the process, you know, b- people don't need to know truly how you feel and they, because it shows that uh, you're enjoying, you're taking everything, uh, you know, like a grain of salt but you're challenging yourself. And I challenge myself and I love the end result. On the, on the flip side of that, what's the reaction you get from players? Now that you're an analyst, you know, not everything you're saying is, is positive. You know, you're, right. you're critical of a lot of the players. What's been the reaction you've got? Well, I mean, people, some people get upset. Um, some people take it on like they understand exactly uh, what I'm saying. Um, and, and one thing that I try to try to express it in a way where it doesn't come off personal. Mm. Uh, some people may receive it as if it's personal, but I make sure that um, that they understand before I say anything that it's not personal, uh, because you have to be able to take criticism in order for you to be able to readjust some things that you may have have done or that you're doing to get back on a positive journey and. I've understood that while I was growing up. Now we're all human again. Uh, we hate to hear people talking negative about us. But once you understand where the negativity is coming from and what it means, then now you start to take a look at things a little differently. You start to watch your your play. You start to watch some different things that I point out. Uh, and then that's when people start to accept it and say, you know what, you were right. Um, you know, when you first said it, I was like, well, wait a minute, where did that come from? But then as I started paying attention to it, then I understood exactly what what you were saying. When you look at uh, what Carson Wentz is doing right now, what's your what's your take on how he's been playing? Well, you know, I'm seeing a guy who's pressing. Um, You know, he's a guy that that's great athlete, can can throw the ball very well. He's shown he can lead. Um, But at the end of it all, I, I just I just think he's pressing right now. He's pressing to make an impression. Um, and when you get to this situation where you look back over his years, everyone keeps talking about the 2017 year where he was an MVP candidate. It hasn't been the same since. Yeah. And that you've been derailed by injury. So now, and people don't realize it because I've been there, you just drafted a second round pick as, as a quarterback to so-called be his backup. When fans are going to now start chanting Jalen Hurts' name because of his play. So he's pressing hard to try to make an impression is taken away from a lot of things that he can accomplish. I feel like he needs to get the ball to Zach Ertz more often. Why isn't this happening? I said the same thing last <laughs> year. Come on. I, 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 meant, I First of all, I had Zach Ertz as my tight end on fantasy football. But <laughs> uh, I, I just got a team practice. stacked with Eagles. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, no, because they weren't giving me no points. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I told him, you know, I said it on, you know, a few interviews and I said, the problem with this offense is you have to start inside out. Uh, you have to start inside out because the mm-hmm. most productive player you have on the offense is your tight ends actors. But what they were doing, they were trying to get the ball to Dallas Geiger down. And, and this next option was Zach. And so I'm, you know, I'm like, that's backwards. But then you take into account 
of the whole business aspect of things. So if Zach comes out of that the year last year with that that same year when he passed Jason Witten, now you got to pay him. <laughs> so uh, it's a lot that went involved in that. They went back to Zach and started getting things going, especially with the injuries to the wide receivers. But I thought that they should have started the season out the same way, and then Zach gets hurt. What's it like being a player and knowing that you are on people's fantasy football team? I hear I hear that to this day. I'm 43 years old and I still hear uh, parents talking about how I was their quarterback for years <laughs> and helped them win fantasy football championships. So now that I'm involved a little bit in the fantasy football world, um, I see what they're saying, but I'm not going to be the old guy. That that's going to see some of these young kids when they get older and say, hey, you know what? I had you on my fantasy football back in 2020. You know, you did great things for me. But is, is that a compliment or is it like, yeah, I'm, that's great it's that I'm on your fantasy team, but I'm doing the real thing out here. It, it's it's a compliment because while I was playing, I didn't know anything about fantasy football. Yeah, I guess uh, it, it wasn't was, as big. It wasn't as big. And, and, you know, toward the end of my career, it started to come about. But um you know, I, I just I look at it in a sense. It's one in which it's interesting, um, but yet and still, you know, it's it's something that that I enjoy now. How different would you say the current NFL is from the NFL that you played in? Uh, the rules are a lot different. Um, you know, the hits are being penalized more. The hand checking is starting to get ridiculous. Um, but again, it's it's one which is still the football, it's football game. So the quarterback is still throwing the ball, you're running the ball, you got to block. Um, I just think some of the rules uh, have made the game somewhat softer. Um, and and it, it makes it really not as interesting as it, it should be. Like, I need to see more kickoff returns. I need to see more punt returns. You know, the exciting part of field position is what I think we're missing consistently. Well, do you think that with the you know difference in the rules now, with the quarterback being as protected as they are, that you could have played differently if those were the rules now? I, I wouldn't say all of that because I'm not that old guy that looks back and, and say I could still play. I could play 20 years. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I, I look in the sense I played in the year and the era that I did. Uh, would it change in a little bit now? Would things be different? It might be. Uh, but you still got to get hit if it's flagged or not. You're still going to get hit. Yeah, uh, Your body still gets sore. So uh, it's hard to say. Do you look at a guy like Tom Brady, who's the same age as you, and go, man, how's he still doing it? Uh, I commend him. I commend him because, uh, you know, I look at it in the sense of, yeah, he, it's rewarding. I mean, 20 years, he and Drew Brees both. I commend him. Um, could I do it? No, not <laughs> at all. No, I'll pass. <laughs> Uh, at what point in your career did you start looking to like, all right, what's going to be next after my football career? Uh, actually, I had a plan uh, my my second or third year in the league. Uh, oh, because, wow. Uh, going into college, that was one of the things that I was focusing on as far as broadcast journalism. And, and I wanted to uh, become a sports anchor and an analyst. Uh, and that's why I went to Syracuse. Um, went to, obviously for football, but then for yeah. the broadcast journalism department. So that was my plan when when I unlaced them and, and kind of hung them up to go right into sports uh, and become an analyst or a sports broadcaster. Were you doing things during your career that was going to line that up? Yes, I was. Um, I was doing things during the offseason with, with different networks, with NBC, with ESPN, uh, CBS. Uh, so 
every year I was doing something, either was it playoffs or, or possibly the off season, uh, to try to, I guess, perfect my craft a little bit uh, and give me that opportunity when it was all said and done. You know, when we talk about like what's different about the NFL now versus when you played, when you came in in 1999, there were you know hardly any black quarterbacks. Now right. it's it's I guess half almost half the starters, right? Uh, yeah, ten ten now I think. Uh, there were there were ten I think that started in, in the opening opening game of the season. Um, I haven't kind of paid attention too much of, of who's still going. I know Dwayne Haskins uh, is not a start not a starter anymore. Um, but it's still going and, you know, I think it will continue to grow, uh, when you look at the collegiate ranks of, of some of these great players that are either juniors, uh, sophomores or possible seniors. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it continues to uh, open up. But you were, you know, you were such a trailblazer here and, uh, you know, what did it mean to you to be an inspiration for, you know, young black quarterbacks that want to do what you did? Well, I mean, it was exciting. It's exciting still, um, you know, to, to reflect back on uh, the numbers of when, when I came out, myself, Dante, as well as uh, Sean King, um, you know, and even before us with Doug Williams, James Harris, Marlon Bristol, and, and uh, Joe Gilliam and those guys. Uh, and I can't forget about the Randalls and the Warrens uh, that passed the torch on to us. So um, it's just a torch passing. Uh, to those guys to continue on their own legacy. Uh, you just try to be a mentor to them and try to prepare them for what they're going to be faced with. Yeah, if someone is coming into the NFL and wants to follow in your footsteps, what's the best advice that you have for them, both on the field and also off the field? Uh, the advice that I give for them pretty much is, is to continue to stay focused, um, try not to be distracted, uh, build that work ethic and, and gain respect from your teammates. Um, and utilize your ability, you know, don't, don't kind of just try to be something that you're not, uh, continue to learn and prepare and, and build of what you can do at that position, but still allow your athletic ability to take over when you need it. You feel like you have one game that really defined your career and that people look back on and they go, man, that's when Donovan was at his best. I don't, I don't, I don't remember one game. Um, hmm, you know, really? I just. It, you know, things happen over time uh, as you learn more and more about the position and you get comfortable not only with yourself, but you get comfortable in your surroundings. You get comfortable in your supporting cast. Uh, and, and it's just, for me, it was just a growing process. And I was willing to be patient uh, and kind of go through the process. And I think that helped me out. When, when Terrell Owens came and joined you, I mean, that first play, that first pass, 81 yards, did you realize that you guys were clicking and had something real special there? Yeah, we had, uh, we had worked in the offseason together. Uh, and that's something that I took pride in. We spent time uh, a couple weeks in the offseason before we got into training camp of just going over plays and our timing and, and his depth of the routes, and my ball placement, things of that nature. So when we went into camp, it was like we had already played a year together. Um, mm. And I think that propelled all, our whole team um, because now they see the chemistry that we had on offense and our defense started to gel quickly as well. And that year was just something special. I feel like on that first play, I mean, even the, the commentator says it like, you know, look, look for him to throw to T.O. here. Yeah. Was there, was there anybody else on that read that you might have thrown to? Well, I mean, sometimes he was the first read, sometimes he was the second. And, 
And we had other guys that benefited with him being out there, but yet still, you know, we tried to pay attention to that uh, and do what was right. But when he had the ball in his hands, he was an explosive guy. Yeah. Are there, uh, are there any Eagles players that reach out to you now for inspiration or for, for feedback? Um, no, not necessarily. I, I talked to uh, some of them when I get back, uh, back into Philadelphia. Um, but now it's just me being a, a spectator and, and just watching, um, you know, from home or whatever it may be and just try to cheer more. Yeah, a spectator and a fantasy football player. There you go. <laughs> but I guess it can give you a, a different appreciation, you know, for the game now that you can take maybe even half a step back. Right. Right. I mean, it, it does. And, and that's the exciting part about this whole deal. It's just, um, it's just one day at a time, but yet still when Sunday or Monday comes around, I'm just like everybody else, you know, I'm, I'm right in front of the TV and, you know, I'm calling out plays, uh, getting pissed off when they don't run something that I call, but you know, that's what we do. <laughs> this might be difficult to answer, but if you had if two minutes left, your team's down by five. Who would you like your quarterback to be right now? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, two minutes to go in the game, uh, balls in his hands, utmost confidence that he'll be able to get the job done. What do you think it is about him that's so special? Big play ability uh, and his ability to make people around him better. That's mm -hmm. what a quarterback is. That's what the definition of a quarterback is. Uh, and he's underappreciated. Um, he's a guy that, um, gained a lot of respect across the league, but as far as reporters and, and analysts, uh, they, they have a tendency of, of kind of looking past him because he doesn't have the wow factor. Um, and, and all he does is win. And I've truly respected Russell since he was in Wisconsin, um, and, and know the kid. And he's a, he's a cerebral guy, uh, with the big playability. And he's shown that each and every year he deserves his respect. I feel like if he was four inches, five inches taller, everyone would be loving on him. Well, I mean, we could say the same thing as if he, if he wasn't, wasn't black, he was white, it'd be different. So uh, we are who we are, you know, and Russell's 5'10". He'll say he's six foot, but he's about 5'11", <laughs> uh, six foot. I'll give him six foot. But, you know, it doesn't matter your size. It doesn't matter your skin color. If you're a good player, you're a good player. If he says he was six foot, did, did you also fib on your height a little bit? No, not at all. You know, I was six, three. Um, I could have easily said six, four, six, five, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's kind of out of reach. Uh, I love to, uh, end every interview by, uh, cause I, I think that being grateful and having gratitude is just such an important quality to have. Yeah. And I want to end every interview by asking you, what are three things that you're grateful for in your life right now? Uh, grateful for, uh, my family, uh, grateful for the opportunity of waking up, um, each morning. Um, and I'm grateful for just being here in a great, great country, um, that, you know, hopefully we'll continue to support one another, uh, and express love to one another, um, as we continue to move forward. This has been so insightful. Donovan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope that you did as well. I'm just so fascinated by deconstructing the mindset of someone like him who has competed at the highest level for so long. 
And like we mentioned at the end there, he's paved the way for a lot of quarterbacks that we see in the NFL now. Share this with a friend who you think would enjoy this. Tag us on social media so we can share it. I'm at Chris Van Vliet on Twitter. Donovan is at Donovan J. McNabb. And you can see everything that he's up to right now on his website, which is DonovanMcNabb.com. I'll leave you with this quote from Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first man to climb Mount Everest. He said, people do not decide to become extraordinary. They decide to accomplish extraordinary things. Mm. So there you go. Chew on that one for a minute today. You know, that minute while you're leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, have a great, have a great week. Be great, be grateful, and we will see you on the next one.